One of the pluses of the pandemic is many of us actually got to know our neighbors. Yeah. And I had the privilege of leading my neighbor, Steve, to Jesus. Wow. Um, and God reminded me as much as I was saying, oh, I can't travel to the, the larger mission field of the world. Boy, there's boy. Steve. Yeah, he's five steps from yeah. my door. Yes, yes. And he's he's broken and he's desperate and I get a chance on my back porch to lead him to Jesus. <laughs> and you talk about an opportunity for KAC. Yeah. What is five steps from your door? Welcome to episode two of season six of our podcast. I'm glad you are here with me. I hope you enjoyed our first episode as I interviewed Brent Dolfo on the exciting future of the church in a post-pandemic world. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Also, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to previous seasons and check out some of the amazing resources we have provided for you. Check out The Meaning of Marriage with Gary Thomas or Loving Cross-Culturally with author and speaker Mark Buchanan or The Mission-Minded Church with Mark Clark. Guys, so much gold in these last six seasons. Would encourage you to go back and check it out. Quick programming note. We now have two separate podcasts. So right now you're listening to the KAC podcast. This posts all of our six seasons of these types of conversations. We've also recently launched KAC Sermons which is where you're going to find weekly teaching from our team. So make sure you subscribe to both your, both of these podcasts moving forward. This season, we are so excited to talk uh, to great leaders and thinkers. We're pumped to welcome this season, people like Shayla Visser, who is a president of Alpha Canada, Jason Ballard, the lead pastor at the Way Church in Vancouver, or Father Matthew Francis, who's an Orthodox priest. Amazing people doing such great things. This episode, I am excited to have Dave Hearn on again. You know, Dave is the only returning guest to the podcast so far. Dave has been for the better part of 40 years in pastoral and denominational leadership. Dave recently finished an almost decade-long tenure as the president of the Alliance in Canada, loving and bringing leadership to the 440 churches with our Alliance family coast to coast. Dave and Agnes have recently moved to Pritchard and now serves as our senior associate pastor here at KAC. It's an unbelievable story of how they got here and we reflect on that together. Dave is such a gift to our community, and this episode gives you a tour of his heart and passion for Jesus, revival, and the future of KAC. You're going to enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the uh, Canloops Alliance Church podcast. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Dave Hearn. Uh, Dave actually is the only returning guest so far on the podcast, Uh, and so Dave, welcome back. Great. I'm honored to be here, my friend. Uh, the last time we talked, uh, lots has changed in your life. Why don't you give the listener just a brief update about all of this change? Uh, I would say lots has changed is probably an understatement. Mm-hmm. I would say almost everything in my world has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we spoke, I was uh, sitting in an office in Ontario uh, serving as the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Today, I'm sitting in Kamloops Alliance Church, face-to-face with you, actually on staff here, um, serving under your leadership and absolutely loving it. Cool. Cool. Uh, You tell us about your farm, Dave. This is uh, the new thing, new challenge in your life. Where did you land and what are you doing now? Well, on the uh, 30th of November, I drove out of the National Ministry Center in Ontario for the last time. 
Six weeks later, on January the 10th, uh, we drove into our property in Pritchard, British Columbia, (laughs) uh, 20 acres of land, and I became... Uh, my ultimate dream, a farmer preacher. So there you go. Got them both together, and it's been absolutely delightful. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, you know, it's so funny as I reflect, Dave, on you guys coming here. You're friends with my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad texted me, I think, like, middle of December, maybe, end of yeah. December. is like, hey, like, Dave Hearn maybe moving to, to Kamloops area. And I was like, there's no way, like— that's never going to happen. And then sure enough, I think the first week of January, I get an email from you be like, hey, we're here and we're going to come right. to your church. And it was right. like, I, I actually, yeah, it was just crazy to think of that transition from Toronto to Pritchard. So what a gift. It was really a gift to us, Chris, because mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you, when a, a sudden transition happens yeah. that you weren't really preparing for, yeah, and um, it makes you feel very vulnerable. Yeah. And I think when I wrote to you that email that said, yeah, looks yeah. like we're coming your direction. Yeah. Um, in many ways, it was sort of a test. You mm. know, what's Chris going to think? Is he going to embrace us? Is he going to, you know, mm-hmm. say, come on down, Dave. We're, we're eager to have you here. Yeah. When you wrote back and simply said, oh, we're thrilled. We're looking forward to you coming. Yeah. I remember actually crying at that yeah. moment, like wow. tearing up and saying, oh, man. Uh, God, you're way ahead of us. Yeah, you know exactly cool. what our family needs. Yeah. And bringing us here, yeah. bring us under your leadership oh, cool. has been an incredible gift of grace. It's so funny. I remember your first Sunday, Dave. It was the Sunday that I was preaching on celib- celibacy. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> hey, welcome to KC. Here's a sermon on celibacy. And it was just such a like... Uh, yeah, it was so encouraging, actually, though, to see you guys out there. I knew at that point you were a daring prophetic communicator <laughs> because you actually made a very challenging topic, yeah. celibacy, <laughs> um, actually palatable. <laughs> I went away and got in the car and said to Agnes, that's a great sermon. I thought, you're speaking on celibacy. <laughs> but it was a great sermon. So, oh, I, I, um, I almost died when I was like, oh, great, their first weekend I'm preaching on celibacy, but... You guys are great sports. Well, it's been a it's been a joyful experience over the last uh, almost eleven months now. Yeah, right. Yes, of just watching um, your leadership, but watching your leadership team. Yeah, and being I'm going to say this, my heart to your heart, feeling really well pastored as a oh. family. Oh, thank you. Really well shepherded, yeah. and uh, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's a team, right? I mean, I I get to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, we just have great people. Yeah. Just great people. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what ha- what is God teaching you in this season? Obviously, the, the question isn't you know what's changed, like what hasn't changed. What what's been what's been the theme maybe that God is teaching over the last almost year now? You know, I, I think a couple of things that have been uh, you know part of what God's having me process uh, when this. Uh, transition was unfolding before me, um, God made it really clear that this was going to be a season where I was going to die a deeper death. Mm. That's that's never something you really want to no. hear God <laughs> say to you. <laughs> yeah. wasn't what I was like eager Celibacy to. Celibacy and dying a deeper death. But, <laughs> but you know, my heart prayer has always been deeper intimacy with you, Jesus. Yeah, right. And I wrote in my journal, um, and I feel God was just speaking so clearly to me. He said, David, you're looking for deeper intimacy for me in sort of a uh, you know, an ecstatic kind of experience. Yeah. And yet the key to a deeper death is going to be an experience where you have to surrender to a whole new level. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, God made it really clear uh, by, by telling me, you know, death is going to be, um, it's not going to be pleasant yeah. and it's not going to be kind. But David, in my kingdom, it's also never final. Right. And that there is resurrection coming. And in that resurrection, you will experience a greater intimacy with me. Yeah. And that has been so, so true for our experience in this journey. Yeah. I've learned as well that we need to trust the sovereignty of God even when it feels painful. Mm. And as a person who's always talked and believes so clearly in what it means to be spirit-filled, it's easy to be spirit-filled when everything is going really amazingly well in your life and in your ministry. Of course. But when you feel really vulnerable, really raw, and really desperate, how does the spirit-filled life surface in those moments? Mm -hmm. Will you be gentle? Yeah. Will you be kind? Will you be teachable? Mm. Those are the deeper issues of my soul (laughs) that God is really... Oh, man, he's been good to me, Chris. Yeah. He's unpacking it, but he's doing it gently. Yeah. But God is not about cosmetic change. <laughs> he's about character development. Yeah. And he goes to the roots. And I remember God saying very clearly in my journal, your people-pleasing days are over, David. <laughs> right. But now maybe your God-pleasing days can move to a new level. Mm. Wow. You know, Dave, you've been uh, very candid and open with us here about your journey. And I think the gift that you're giving to me and to our church is, um, you know, as we're preaching through James, what does a mature faith look like? A mature faith looks like the type of person who says, it's not easy and it's not painful and I wouldn't choose it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I welcome that inner transformative work. And so maybe for you, those of you who are listening in on this, um, what what deeper death, you know, are you going through right now? And, you know, as James talked about, the path to maturity is through testing and temptation. Um, and we want comfort, but that leads to apathy, yeah. you know? So Dave, thank you for for opening up your heart and your journey to us and processing it, you know, as as transparently as you can yeah. um, with us, because I think it provides myself, our team, our church, a uh, connection with you, obviously, and Agnes, uh, but also just a, a positive example about how, how do you go through a time of testing and yeah. dismantling things and, and stuff like that. Um, one of the great gifts you're also giving to our community, Dave, is your preaching. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you preached at our church uh, a little while ago uh, in September, uh, and you called yourself a revivalist. And I think you said, I'm unapologetically a revivalist. Yes, yes. Uh, what does that mean? Well, there's history to that, okay. uh, in that my grandfather was saved in the Welsh Revival. So right. I, I grew up in a home where conversations about revival were normative, hmm. and stories about revival were uh, were plenty, like like around the dinner table. Right. And um, so something, I think, really came to life in me, yeah. even as a young person. And that this concept, oh, God, do it again, yeah. do it again. Yeah. Um, I think as I've grown, though, I've discovered that uh, we can often use the word revival as, you know, a big event, maybe, you know, nationally or globally. Yeah. Um, and I long for that. I'm, I'm not going to be yeah, apologetic yeah, about that at all. But Let's go. Yeah. But here's the passion that I carry in my heart as as a revivalist. 
I want to live as a continually revived person. person. Yeah. And that's a very different kind of thinking mm. because that requires it not to be about dreaming out there, but about living with the current reality of my own soul yeah. and what is God doing within me. Right. One of my, one of, one of my favorite verses is uh, from uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. I love this in the message version. It says, don't get burned out. Okay, it's a great phrase. Don't yes. get burned out. But keep yourselves fueled in the flame. Hmm. Man, that speaks to my soul. Right, right. So what does it look like for Dave Hearn to be fueled and yeah. aflamed? Yeah. Not just to use the word revival, hmm. but to actually live yes. that right. day to day in my own experience. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't I, I knew about, you know, the your family's past with the Welsh revival, but the fact that that was a normative conversation uh is is the environment that you grew yeah. up in, you know, kind yeah. of the spiritual home that, that you have. Yeah. And um, I think you coming has, you know, through, you know, pandemic leadership was just awful, no matter mm. what sector you were in, just challenging. Yeah. And I, I feel like you coming uh, has reignited that passion in me where, you know, pre-pandemic, it was like Habakkuk 3, you know, we've heard of your friend, we said in awe of your deeds, repeat them in our day, Lord, in our time, make them yeah. known. Yeah. And I yeah. think the pandemic just, whatever, diluted that, killed that, turned the volume down. Yeah. So so I think you coming uh, has reignited that flame, I think, in my soul. And I think even corporately in our church, as we think about our future, one of the big things we're, we're praying towards is that idea of renewal revival. So what is it? Dave, you grew up in this. What is the idea of revival? What does it look like? What happens in revival? Why should we be hungry for it? You know, I, 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 I go back to Norman Grubb's book when he talks about continuous revival. He said some really profound things in there. Um, revival for me is this sense of um, the roof off and the walls down. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that there's no secrets, Chris. Yeah. No hidden agendas. No places or spaces of my soul that God doesn't have access to. Right. Uh, no rooms of my heart where I've said, Jesus, do not enter. Yeah. Right. The roof is off. Yeah. Meaning that I, I live um, a confessional life mm. where repentance is part of my yeah. daily experience. Normative. Not just an event that I have yeah, every yeah. once the in a while. The altar call every three years. Absolutely. Or, yeah, yeah. But then it translates even to a more critical passage, our place, walls down. Mm. That means in my relationships with people in this church, my relationships with people in the larger Alliance family, my relationships with my own family, right. that there are no obstacles. Mm. There's no unconfessed sin. Yeah. There's no lack of forgiveness. Right. So revival is shaping, yeah. but it's shaping the inner soul. Um, to live very authentically, to live very transparently. Yeah. Um, to live without shame. Mm. I didn't realize how much in my world uh, I had lived with a lot of shame mm. and condemning voices mm. uh, that were very cruel and ruthless. Right. Especially just before I get up to preach. Yeah. You know, the voices that say, you're not worthy. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. And yet moving into a, a place of perpetual spiritual renewal and revival mm. means that wherever those places of shame merge in my life, they are brought immediately to the feet of Jesus. Wow. Who is the one who breaks our chains mm -hmm. and the one who eradicates our shame mm -hmm. and the one who gives us 
hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I like your answer to that because oftentimes when people think revival, they see, you know, maybe images of like a full altar, which is probably a part a sign of revo- revival. Mm-hmm. But you know, people convulsing on the ground and all of these kind of crazy stories right. Right. out there. And and sure, that's maybe a part of it. Sure. But your answer is more focused in on my own formation. Oh yeah. Transparency, intimacy with Jesus and with other people. Um that I think makes it more accessible. But it's if that's happening in every single person, I know. that's revival. I know. Uh, Rob Reamer talks a little bit about in his book, Pathways um, to the King, this concept of the cycle of renewal. Mm. And it's really been specific to my own soul as I, I recognize that, uh, listen, we're all prone to spiritual entropy, right? Yeah. We're, all, yeah. we're all kind of find ourselves that we're prone to wander, those kinds yes. of things. So. Yes. Uh, um, Rob talks about how we start from a position of renewal, but then we we move into places of spiritual drift where apathy begins to grow and develop in our soul. Yeah. And if we don't arrest that quickly, we actually move into bondage and we begin to, to engage in behaviors that are very addictive and very destructive. Yeah. And, and eventually we find ourselves in a place so distant and so desperate that we long again for renewal. And so we come back to repentance. Right. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. we move into renewal again. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I love what Rob Reamer says. He says the key is we want perpetual renewal, which means we shorten the cycles yeah. of renewal. Yeah. And what that means to me is the moment I begin to sense spiritual drift, yeah. and I'm an old guy, I'm 63, man. I know <laughs> what that feels like yeah, in my yeah. soul. Right. I don't linger there. Yeah. I immediately go, oh, Jesus, I know. I've been here before. I'm not going there anymore. Right, 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 right. I'm not going there anymore. Wow. So the dream is this. What about in our church, Chris? Yeah. People are living Mm -hmm. with that sensitivity to the Spirit. Yeah. That the moment the Spirit pokes you and says, don't go there. Yeah. Don't go there. You've been there before. before. Stop it. Come back. Come back home. Yeah. That we're living in that place of perpetual renewal. Mm -hmm. What would that do to our city? Yeah. Change. Yeah. What would that... Yeah. What would that do to our promise? What would that do to our country? And, yeah. and maybe, you know, the larger events of renewal, not maybe, they always sort of begin yeah. with broken people mm-hmm. willing to be honest and open, willing to surrender the deepest places of their soul, yeah, and willing to let the Spirit bring life again. Mm. There's a... Uh there's a leader in Australia. He's done a lot of work in, in, in renewal. And he he talks about, you know, renewal started with a holy discontent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just something about, there's got to be more to my experience with Jesus. There's got, we need more uh, lift holistically in our city. There's so many yeah. problems yeah. and there's a discontent that I think, you know, grips the heart of people to pray and to lean in and to be hungry. Yeah. Um, so holy discontent is where we need to start. Why do you think, Dave, um, I think you've said this, there's reasons. Hmm. And nobody, uh, one of my former colleagues, David Wood, did his dissertation on on renewal. Um, and I remember him always saying, like, you can never predict renewal. You can't conjure renewal up. Sometimes the people that have tried to do that, it's actually happened at the Baptist church down the road or yeah. whatever, right? Like, yeah. there's just no, so you can't predict it. Yet at the same time, I think there's, there's things that we can learn through history that these actually are some uh, clues or yeah. undercurrents happening that, that perhaps would um, facilitate something like this. Yeah. What do you think about that? Is there is there a sense in you that renewal could be closer than, or revival could be closer than not? 
you know, you use the word uh, holy discontent. discontent. I, I use the word holy desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Fred Hartley in his book, uh, God on Fire, talks about when when God is going to do something significant, when God is going to, to intervene in a special reviving way, um, he's never arbitrary and he's mm-hmm. never careless. Right. He always prepares his people in advance. Right. And what does that preparation look like? Um, I think it's two things. One is a holy hunger. Mm. That something in your soul is longing for more. Mm-hmm. And you may not even be able to tangibly describe what the more is, but you're feeling that it just can't be business as usual. Right, right. In, in fact, I say that churches that adopt a business as usual posture end up with usual business. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they miss the point. Yeah. But then he says something yeah. else. Not only is it holy hunger, but it is a desire to pray like we've never prayed mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And when we uh, held here at our, our church, you know, our, our strategic planning, it was just so delightful when, when uh, you know, renewal became one of the key components of what we are longing for in the future. Yeah. yeah. That didn't just happen, Chris. Right, right. That's a God gift mm-hmm. to us as a church. Mm-hmm. What's he doing? He's placing in people hunger. Mm. See, people in the church are already saying, there's got to be more. more. There's more. There's more. And, yeah. and I think that what accelerated that a little bit was the pandemic because yeah. the pandemic threw us into instability. Yeah. And that the very things that people were gravitating to to give them a sense of security and purpose and, and, a, and a sense of stability um, all dissipated during the pandemic. Mm. And this desperation was on the rise. Yeah. And I think it's created, um, let me put it this way, the atmospheric conditions, if I could use those, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. where we are ripe yeah. for a fresh move of God. Yeah. And I'm also seeing, um, not just in our church, but in a number of different churches throughout Canada, uh, a refocus on prayer. Mm. But not prayer as duty. Yeah, yeah. It's not that way anymore, Chris. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's prayer that comes out of, and I'm going to use this word again, holy desperation. There is a longing in our prayer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that indicates what I would say is divine gift right. for this moment of history. Mm. I think, you know, you, you're outlining in a positive sense this hunger, this holy desperation yeah. in in people. And I think in another sense, I think this secular script that has dominated our culture for a long time, since the 80s, postmodernism, you know, I think people are re- recognizing it's not delivering on this utopia that we wanted. It is not. It's not creating the type of, it's not forming the type of people that can actually create a good society together. Yeah. And so there's more I could say there, but I think, you know, you, you talked about the, the positive hunger, holy desperation within the church. And I, I think what I see is in the larger sphere, people oh, are recognizing yeah. something's not right. Why are we like this? What's going on? And, and so I think those two things at the same time with a decline or more, more of a skepticism to the secular script of our culture and the inner longing and hunger of the people of God, man, like that's, it's ripe. Boy, you're triggering on something that is really important. Revival at its essence is not therapeutic. It isn't just to revive and renew the church. Yeah. Revival in its essence is missional. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the reason I'm so desperate for revival in my own life and in my own church yeah. is because of the very thing you say. I think the culture around us is ripe. Yeah. 
but not for the way they've experienced no. church no, no, in the no. past. Yeah, yeah. Which has been, I think, less alive than it should be. 100%, yeah. I think they're looking for something that is filled with hope. In yes. fact, one of the things I pray for our church on a regular basis yeah. is that um, that the God of all hope would would fill us yeah. with his life to the place where we would overflow with hope. Yeah. That would be, uh, I hate to use this word post-pandemic, contagious. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but this is contagious with hope yeah. Yeah. for um, a world that has lost its way. Yep. And is becoming more aware of how much it's lost its way. And I think that's what we were trying to get at when we preach through the uh, the fruit of the spirit. And we oh, call yeah. it the good and beautiful life. Oh, yeah. And it's all of that stuff at work in a world of decline and hate and discord and all that sort of stuff. Man, how do we... Yeah, it's a fruit of the spirit. It's mature faith through James, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the links uh, through this through this season of the podcast, Dave, has been kind of thinking about this idea of the post-pandemic church and and what does it look like? And you know, it's hopefully not business as usual. Yeah. Um, you 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 had a very unique view of 440 churches across Canada, uh, and are still very well con- connected to different organizations yeah. and thinkers. What would you say, how has COVID changed the church? Let me give sort of the the, the shadow side of that first mm-hmm. and then the optimistic side. The shadow side, I think I've, I've noticed a higher level of leadership insecurity yeah. than I think I've ever seen before. Yeah. The sense of leaders in the church not knowing what to do yeah. and trying desperately to figure out what is the next thing we need to do. Yeah. Um, Trust fragility. Mm. There has been, um, I think because there's been so much information that has come through the pandemic and and so much misinformation that's come through the pandemic, there has been a lack of of trust or maybe trust has become more fragile um, than we've ever experienced it before. And something that, that I think is also very real to the system in terms of the shadow side, the church system in terms of the shadow side is uh, what I call a gentleness deficit. Mm. And in fact, a survey they did in Canada, they discovered that empathy had actually dropped in the Canadian population to an all-time low. Yeah, And that's affected the culture of the church. Yeah. So how much grace is there in the system? Yeah, you know How much tolerance is there in the system? How much gentleness is there in the system? I think we're still living with that hangover, yeah. uh, the COVID hangover. Yeah. The optimistic side of that is, I would say, um, we recognize we really need each other. Mm. Like we talk a lot about community. I've never been more desperate for community Mm. because the absence of community made me feel very lonely. Mm -hmm. And uh, it reminds us that we are created in the image of God, a social trinity. We're created for relationship. Yeah. And and I know thanks to Zoom and all those kinds of things, we saw each other's faces, but I needed I needed the touch. Mm-hmm. I needed to be in the auditorium singing and worshiping with people around me. Yeah. And I think it's it's raised this sense of um, boy, do we need to be together. Yeah. You know, we can't operate, we can't do this life in isolation. So I think that that has really been a positive side of, of COVID. I think the other side is, um, <laughs> let me put it this way. I think COVID first caused the church to make some shifts 
and we all move towards digital reality in about 10 days. Yeah. Most, uh, most corporations were saying you couldn't move there for 18 months. Literally, the globe moved there in 10 days. That's yeah. what we had to do. Yeah. A rapid, rapid change. Um, but I think where it left us, Chris, was in a place of longing. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way. I think we went from shift to sift. Something in our souls changed. Mm-hmm. And I think we became aware of maybe some of the places we aren't as surrendered as we thought we were. Some of the places that we are more consumer-oriented than we are Christ-centered. Yeah. Some of the places where we have looked at church as it has to meet my needs or I will go somewhere else to a bit of a reckoning mm. with Almighty God yeah. to say, what if everything is gone? Yeah. You know? Yeah. What, what are you left with? Mm-hmm. And I think the opportunity for intimacy with Jesus has been raised to an all-time high. It's good. There's been challenge yeah. and also opportunity. Yeah, I think you're right. Good. Like the, the opportunity for the church is to provide a countercultural community where yeah. people, yeah. you know, you think about the first few hundred years of the church church's history. It it was obviously doctrine and teaching and the but it was it was a community that just loved each other and loved the people on the furthest of the margins, right? Like the orphans and the widows. And so I, I think the opportunity or the lost opportunity is for the church to be way more um, clicky, yeah. you know, to double yeah. down in that and yeah. to not wanna, want to want to open up. Yeah. Um, that leads well into this question, Dave. What do you think KAC needs to be aware of as we um, embark in the future, a post-pandemic church, what what are the things that you're seeing and thinking that we need to be thinking about as leaders, but also those listening uh, from our faith community here or maybe another one that they're a part of? Um, I think KAC needs to be willing to ask a different question. Mm-hmm. The post-pandemic question has simply been, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And I believe the key to the post-pandemic um, movement forward is the question, what do we see? Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating if you go into, um, you know, Second Kings chapter 6, you know the story really well. You know, Elisha is being pursued by, uh, you know, the, the king of Aram and wants to wipe him out. He's in the city of Dotham and the whole city gets surrounded, right, by the, the Aramean army. And the servant raises up, you know, gets up early in the morning, sees, you know, that they're, they're surrounded and his, his first question for Elijah is, what do we do? Right, right. What do we do? And yeah. Elisha says something very startling. Those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Mm. And then he says something profound, and I believe this is the moment for KAC. Mm. Lord, open his eyes. Mm. And when his eyes were open, what did he see? Mm. And Chris, I haven't seen this tangibly, but I see it in the spirit. Right. We're in a valley, but surrounding this valley is the angel armies of God. That's what Elijah saw. Mm. He saw that God was on the move and that God was all powerful and that God was doing something new in our midst. Yeah. We need revelation. Yeah. Right. We need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be able to embrace it because what we see will actually determine what we do. do of course. That's the key. Yeah. yeah. And what we see is sustainable yeah. in terms of the transformation it will bring to our soul. So um, 
That's what I pray for our church. Oh, God, open our eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I drive in from Pritchard every day, uh, you know, 42-minute drive 42. right to the church. Yeah. And uh, I look. I look at the valley. I look at, I look at the opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And I say, oh, God, could you open my eyes, open our eyes yeah. to see where these opportunities actually are. Yep. Right. That we wouldn't miss this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to realize on another, uh, another frame, that our mission field is literally steps from our door. And I, I think that w- one, of the, one of the pluses of the pandemic is many of us actually got to know our neighbors. Yeah. Because I was 75% on the road. Yeah. I was like the missing neighbor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. And so right. in Ontario, I got to meet my neighbors yeah. and I had the privilege of leading my neighbor, Steve, to Jesus. Wow. Um, and God reminded me as much as I was saying, oh, I can't travel to the, the larger mission field of the world. Boy, there's boy. Steve. Yeah, he's five steps from yeah. my door. Yes, yes. And he's he's broken and he's desperate and I get a chance on my back porch to lead him to Jesus. Hmm. And you talk about an opportunity for KAC. Yeah. What is five steps from your door? Yeah, yeah. That God is saying, yeah. open your eyes to. Yes. See what I see. Yes. And could this be a moment where post-pandemic, we have so many people coming to Christ yeah. in our city, yeah. through our church and other churches yeah. like we've never seen before. And I think the the hunger for revival is, is to see the world anew. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's absolutely it's like it's like, oh, I don't actually see my neighbor as just that person who lives in that house, but actually I see them as a person made in the image of God that I need to connect with and love and serve and not as a project, but as somebody who I can just get to know. Oh, and that, absolutely. That, that, there's a dismantling that has to happen for how we see the world as it's, you know, it's about our comfort or it's about our reputation or it's about whatever. That's right. And like That's a right. reestablishing of, I actually see the world anew. Yeah. With like a kingdom vision of yeah. the world, of my world, of my of my workplace, of my neighborhood, and man, that that happens a lot. But in in revival, it happens um, on a scale way, way, way bigger. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I I ask myself the question, you know, of all the places God could have led us, you know, when we left Ontario, why Pritchard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And when I was a district superintendent here, I drove past the Pritchard sign yeah. like 150 times. No yeah. exaggeration. Yeah. It's a sign on the road. Yeah. But now it's my home. Mm-hmm. And just what you said, what do I see now yeah. when I drive uh, up into where we live in Pritchard? Yeah. What do I do with the two widow ladies that yeah. live within about uh, a half mile of where we live yeah. and who are really lonely? Yeah. Kingdom vision. Kingdom vision. Yeah. It's what you see yeah. that will determine what you do. Oh, that's so good. That's yeah. so good. Uh, Dave, you are now serving uh, at our church. Yes. Senior yes. associate pastor is a great moment uh, a few weeks ago. Being able to, you know, internally we were trying to sort stuff out. Basically yeah. since you got here in January and wanted to be sensitive and slow and, and thoughtful about that. But a great moment for our church to... Um, to see the work that God's done in in the gift. I mean, what I said, you know, that weekend is that God has been loving KC longer than anybody else has. Uh, and one of the things is bringing great people. And now he's provided, you know, you and Agnes to our team. 
Um, so, I mean, what a great story in and of itself. I actually got a text message from somebody today as our first episode of this podcast was released and said, you hired Dave Hearn? How in the world did you do that? <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't take any credit here. Like, I, we are just a very, very passive. Um, but I just can't, I can't tell you enough, Dave, the, the need that you have met, and Agnes have met on our team. We have a great team. We're young. And it was like, Lord, I, I, you know, I, I have mentors, great people in my life that help me through a lot of leadership stuff. I was like, I just need an adult <laughs> in, in our senior management team. I need an adult, you know, somebody who's done this before, seasoned wisdom. Um, so what a gift, what an extreme gift that you guys are to us. Um, senior associate pastor is a title that we've given to you. Maybe just comments a little bit, Dave, on what does that title mean to you? What does it mean to you that you're here? Uh, you know, we can't express enough of what it means to us, but maybe your opportunity to share a little bit. Uh, years ago, I uh, <clears throat> read a book um, that was just, just about um, spirituality. And um, the concept in the book that was really helpful to me was this whole idea of what the spiritual journey looks like. And the, the, uh, the picture was of, you know, the heroic journey where you start out as a, a young leader and, uh, you know, you feel invincible, you can conquer the world, yeah, yeah. you're going to change the planet, yeah. you know. And, and then as you get older, you face a crisis of limitation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm 63, I'm not that old, yeah, yeah. but I recognize that um, I, I don't have the same energy level. I don't have the same kind of, of of physical strength even right. that I had when I was younger. And so when you face that crisis of limitation, uh, this particular writer said, you have three choices. You can either keep on trying to be on that heroic journey, and everybody yeah. knows you're just an old fool, yeah. right? They think, <laughs> yeah. boy, I hope he gets it and figures out he just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Are you so angry about the limitations yeah. that you live the rest of your life as an angry human being? Yeah. Or the third choice is you actually move into a higher level of humility mm-hmm. where your role is no longer, uh, we use the word first chair, yeah. but your role now is to be that p- p- person who feeds into those who are on the heroic journey. Mm. I'm delighted to be at a church where the staff is, is young and passionate and full of energy and having great dreams and all of those kinds of things. And all I want to do is put wind in your sails. Yeah. Like I am so grateful to be able to to serve this team and bring whatever wisdom I can to the table. I said to you from from the start, most of the wisdom I just learned through failure, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been the mistakes that I've made. Yeah. But the places where I've also been teachable mm. and I want to bring those to the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've often said to people when when I was the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance that I was actually a local church pastor disguised as a president. Yeah, yeah. That I've never left the local church. Yeah. And now being part of this community has just again affirmed that the life of this movement was never centered mm. in Ontario at the National Ministry Center. Yeah. And we knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The life is at the local church. Yeah. Right. This is the bride. Mm-hmm. This is the place. This is the engine. This is the vehicle. We can use a, a number of different analogies. So now I'm actually back in the front line, yeah. Chris. Yeah. And I'm loving it. I yeah. mean, 20 minutes ago, I'm sitting with a homeless guy up in the boardroom mm. who's completely demonized and trying to, to bring, a, you know, this, this 
what is reality going to look like? And yeah. trusting Jesus to move into the heart of yeah. this dear guy. Yeah. I'm loving it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. It's different. It is. But you you get the relationship of being in one spot, right? Whereas your role before was you the voice and travel and, you know, parachuting in and then leaving. And right. here you you get to know the stories and the people and the names and all that sort of stuff. And there's beauty and goodness in both. There is. There is beauty and goodness in both. There but, is. But... Um, yeah, you're back on the front lines. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so what what is in your job description? What do you hope to do with your time here? What's your... You know, it, it, it's um, kind of a unique season because I uh, my, my doctoral dissertate, dissertation was on um, modeling and mobilizing spiritual renewal in the local church. How does a pastor do that? So Dave... Here I am yeah. in a local church. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do it. So I'm going back to my dissertation and going, yeah. huh? What do okay. I need? <laughs> yeah. So so part of it is I I just want to model what that looks like mm-hmm. to to live as a renewed person and to mobilize that within our church mm. and and to do my best to see us as a hub of renewal yeah. in, in our community and for our denomination. I would love yeah. to see that. Yeah. Um I think the other side of it that is um equally important to me is um, when when Solomon brings the ark into the temple that had been built and into the holies of holies, it's a very profound moment. As the ark is put into the, the, the holy place, all of a sudden, the presence of God comes like a cloud yeah. and fills the whole atmospheric area. Yeah. And then it says, so that the priests could no longer do their duty, could no longer serve. Right. And I thought, Okay, here's the deal. David, you need to understand that as you come to serve in this local church, that your main role is to help prepare people for his presence. Mm-hmm. It's never really been about you. Yeah. But isn't that the great gift that we get to bring? Yeah. So what does it look like to prepare people to experience the manifest presence of Jesus in our church? <laughs> what does it look like Sunday morning? What does it look like Monday morning? What does it look like for yeah. us to to live into that. And then when God shows up and interrupts our schedule and our agenda, yeah. we're smart enough to know it. Yeah. yeah. And we actually- We're okay with it. We actually can stop in even mid-sermon or, yeah. or stop mid-meeting or whatever it is and say, yeah. oh, man, Jesus is really showing up here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's live into that moment. Yeah. And not miss it. That means things like, for me, how do I mentor? Yeah. How do I coach? Yeah. How do in those moments do I talk less, mm. listen more? And actually, for individuals as well as for a corporate body, help them long for the manifest presence of Jesus. Mm. Hmm. I like it that you didn't talk about, oh, I'm going to start this thing and do that thing. And, you know. Rather, it's like, how do we actually form people to be hungry for God? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the temptation or the impulse within evangelicalism, especially even within our movement, deeper life admissions, let's go do something. Yep. yep. Right? We yep. need to go do something. And yep. 100%, that's why I'm a part of our movement. <laughs> but but there there needs to be a formation in somebody's soul first that... Um, yeah, may it be so, Dave. May it yeah. be so. 
Um, what should people know about you and Agnes as you settle in? What do you need? How does how does our community come around you uh, and and help and love? Um, probably one of the most significant moments that I've experienced so far was actually at our AGM, and and I can woo-hoo! tell you, yeah, yeah woo, yeah. that's a great AGM. Yeah, but um, there was a moment at, at the the very end where Merle uh, Fickner, our our new uh, chairman of the board, said some very kind words to both, uh, you know, Agnes wasn't there, but I was there and I let her know some very kind words just about God bringing us here for such a time as this. Yeah. And and then Rob Splain was sitting behind me. Yeah. And while, while um, Merle was sharing those words, Rob reached out, grabbed me by the shoulder and yeah. held tightly. Yeah. I could have, I could have sobbed <laughs> because it was like, what do the Hearns need most? Just a safe place to be us. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. we're nothing special, buddy. <laughs> we're just we're just two people. Yeah, trying to to live out what it means to adore Jesus. Yeah, and and um, learning what that means in in a new church environment. Yeah, but also learning what that means um, as farmers. And so yeah. I, I can't I, I can't divorce the two. Yeah. And so um, any people in the church or out there listening to the podcast who are farmers, <laughs> pray for us. We are Google farmers. I sit on my Massey Fergus and I, uh, <laughs> and, and I go to Google and I say, how to bale hay. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we're doing it. I love it. it. We're doing it. Google's and helping you. YouTube's helping you absolutely. farm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I think more than anything else— um, the longing for deeper intimacy with Jesus has never left me. Yeah. And so, um, yes, I want a safe place, but I actually want an unsafe place. <laughs> yeah. And you do this really well, Chris. You have said from the pulpit on many different occasions, you know, if you're looking for this kind of comfort zone, then this isn't the place that's going to fit you well for long. Yeah. We want to care for you. We want to love you, but yeah. we are on mission. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. prepare to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, um, that is a gift you give me. Right. Because, like, I don't want to retire. Mm. Like, I've never wanted to retire yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. In, the, in the traditional sense of, yeah. you know, like, go do the things you've never been able to do. Yeah. Um, huh. Man, I... I'm thinking this next deck is going to be my best. Come on, yes, <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm, 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 uh, I'm looking to be safe and unsafe. Yeah, <laughs> and um, this is a space where I can feel both. Cool. So what that means to your audience listening, especially our KAC people, um, you hold me accountable. You challenge me. Yeah. You speak into my life, right? And I'll speak into yours. And somehow, as iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. We learn what you've been teaching us about in James. Um, the true faith, mm-hmm. radical faith, mm-hmm. means we will become activists. Mm-hmm. But we're not activists to win salvation. Yeah. No, it's because we are so secure in our relationship yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. We have to do something about it. Yeah. And getting to do that in this community at this time in my life is awesome. Mm. And getting to do it with Agnes, I yeah. mean— you know, I, 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 I'm sort of the, the person that most people will, will maybe meet on the front end a little bit. Yeah. But um, Agnes has always dreamed 
about being involved with um, indigenous ministry. Mm-hmm. Little did we know when we came to Kamloops yeah. that you were way ahead of us, Chris. <laughs> yeah. And that with Pastor Norm on staff here yeah. and a yeah. number of other things going on, my wife is coming alive. Yeah, come on. That's great. In a, in a way that um, is absolutely delightful to watch. Yeah. And so in many ways, I think in our relationship, I've kind of led the way, but I'm yeah. also kind of watching Agnes lead the yeah. way for me too. And yeah. I'm coming in, but I'm following her. That's kind of cool, buddy. That is cool. That's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, we're praying that that the next 10 years is the best you've had too. And uh, serving with Agnes on our Indigenous Connections team, you know, it's just, again, wisdom and willingness. Um, so as I've said to our church, I'll say this again to the listener, uh, David and Agnes are people that you can trust. These are people that you can love, uh, go to with your stuff, questions, and... Um, and again, just such a, a another great addition on our on our staff team. And Merle was right at such a time as this, you know, like my goodness, like, who has ever who could have ever predicted, you know, COVID and all of that stuff. And and so as I as I kind of take a look back at KAC, and you know, I've always said that Jesus is our lead pastor because if I am, we're messed. We're we got no yeah. hope. But he is our lead pastor. Yeah. He's the one providing and leading and bringing people like you guys. So. Uh, I believe that our our best is yet to come. I believe that our future is very bright. It's uncertain in many ways, but it, it was always uncertain. We just more feel that acutely now. So I think all of this, as you said, uh, Dave, drives us to prayer. Hmm. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people who don't just say the rote prayers, you know, right. thanking God for our food, which is what we should do. But there's more to it, hungry prayer. So I think to end, it'd be a great day for you to pray um, for our church and our city and wherever you want to go. Would you do that? Um, I, would, I would love to do okay. that. Father, may we be a church. May we be a family of faith that doesn't echo culture but actually leads it. Mm. And Lord, we often hear this word woke, mm-hmm. but you use the word awake. Mm-hmm. Awake from your slumber, mm. for the time is near. So God, um, may we as leaders in this church be awake, be alert, yeah. Yeah. be so sensitive to your voice. May the people of this congregation be awake and be alert to sense the nuance of where the spirit of the living God is leading us. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I, I ask in Jesus' name for, yes, a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon this congregation that Lord, as we talk about um, issues like hunger and desperation, We recognize that we can't actually create that. You need to give it. Mm -hmm. You need to birth it. Mm -hmm. You need to fuel it in our souls. And Lord Jesus, we just simply surrender afresh and say, come on. Mm -hmm. Bring whatever you need to bring into our lives to create that hunger and to make us more than we've ever been people that pray. But, oh, not out of duty, but out of a longing for a deeper encounter with you. And so, um, come, precious spirit. Fill us. Mm. Fill us to overflowing. Fill us to overwhelming. Open our eyes to see what you are up to. And give us hearts of courage. So yeah, make us safe and make us unsafe at the same time. Does that feel weird? Yes, it does, but we're okay. 
Yeah. We're okay because we're going to become experts in the awkward. Yeah. Because we're going to lean into the messy places, the places of distress, and the places of discomfort. And we're going to bring hope and life and restoration and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wasn't that a great interview? Dave and Agnes have brought so much passionate leadership to our denomination and now here at KAC. Again, I can't explain to you how great of a gift it is to have Dave here at our church. He's going to continue to lead as he has with integrity and passion and mission. And so I believe, again, that the best is yet to come here at KAC. Just a few maybe questions I would ask you as we reflect on that time with Dave. Thinking about a kingdom vision, how do you see your world and your life? Dave said we need to see differently. How do you see your world? What opportunities are before you right now that we need to see with a kingdom mindset and not just the kind of secular, comfortable mindset that we often approach our life with? Dave talked about in Revival that the roof is off and the walls are down. There's no secrets. Would you be able to describe your life in that way right now? I know that was challenging for me. As we think ahead, I can't wait to share our next episode with you as we welcome Maureen College onto the podcast. Maureen is the Executive Director of Hopewell Clinic and Pregnancy Center here in Kamloops. Hopewell does a fantastic work with women and men who have experienced or are experiencing an unexpected pregnancy. A few months ago, I toured the facility and thought immediately that we have to get Maureen on to the podcast to tell us all that she is doing to help people in our community. So check that out as that podcast will drop a few weeks from now. Also, check out our website for more information, kac.ca, or we are also on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to contribute financially, helping us bring great resources like this to you, you can do that on our website as well. And as always, if it's been helpful, share, give us a positive review to get the word out. Thanks again for being here. You could be doing a lot of different things, but you chose to spend time here on the Casey podcast. And I'm very grateful for that. Check back again in a few weeks and we'll chat then. Bye-bye.